Welcome to Paid Media Coffee. I'm your host, Kelly Mancuso, and today we're talking about video. So the past couple of episodes, we have covered the evolution of advertising and the convergence of traditional and digital media at a pretty high level. So now we are going to be narrowing in a little bit. The next few episodes, we're focusing on specific channels. So as I mentioned, today we'll be doing video and the TV advertising landscape. I have three super smart guests today. The first is Oliver Brantley. He's a paid media strategist at Nebo. Welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. We also have Jen Vickery, our SVP of digital strategy. Happy to be back. And Casey Baker, a paid media associate at Nebo. Yeah, also happy to be back. Great. Well, we are excited to get started. And so talking about video specifically, I think, in my opinion, it's probably one of the most complex advertising channels that we have today with everything that's going on and all the different ways consumers are accessing mm-hmm. uh TV and video. Um, You know, we've got linear TV, OTT, advanced TV, addressable TV, connected connected TV, TV, (laughs) programmatic TV, streaming video, just a lot of buzzwords, a lot of acronyms. So I would love for you three to help me and help our listeners understand the landscape overall and, you know, what all of these things are and what the differences are that advertisers need to be aware of. Yeah, I guess I'll start with defining, I think there's two approaches. There's the traditional TV and then kind of advanced TV. Mm -hmm. So by traditional TV, I mean like the traditional means that someone watches TV in which a viewer um, watches a TV program on the channel um, that it's presented on at that exact scheduled time. And then we have advanced TV on the other hand, which is essentially an umbrella term for all non-traditional TV formats, so that includes OTT, connected TV, addressable TV, um, really kind of all of those different things. But I'll let Jen take away some of the other uh, acronyms. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, So I would bucketize OTT in probably three different ways. Um, You have your programmatic OTT, so this is what probably media buyers are most comfortable and familiar with. So we're using um, networks and DSPs um, to traffic and place our video and um, OTT ads. Then you have platform direct. So this is where you work directly with like Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox, PlayStation View to place your ads. And then you have your publisher direct. Um, so these are, you know, your AVODs like YouTube, Sony Crackle, and then you have your paid TV apps like Sling, DirecTV, um, and then your native OTT, which is Hulu. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oliver, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, kind of to echo what Jen said, OTT is sort of this umbrella term for kind of any way that you're accessing media outside of, you know, traditional linear TV from a cable provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of diving a little bit deeper. So addressable TV is the ability to show different ads to different households that might be watching the same program. So, you know, previously you had to show ads on a certain show, um, but now you're targeting at the household level rather than the program level, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the technology that has evolved and has allowed us to take TV to the next level is really cool. And it's really exciting for advertisers too. I think it opens Mm -hmm. up a lot of opportunity for people that maybe didn't do a lot with linear TV buys. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are just some really cool capabilities. So in terms of those benefits and capabilities, what 
do you guys think really sets advanced TV and programmatic video as well um, apart from linear? I think Oliver started touching on this, the the ability to target the household instead of the, the program. Um, the level of targeting, because it is, whether you're doing it programmatic, publisher direct, there's just so much data that we're able to target based on behaviors, interests. There's a lot more context that we can add to our targeting and our campaign, so it's much more relevant to the people that we're trying to get in front of. Whereas with linear, um, you know, sometimes you don't know exactly when it's going to run. Um, it might not be the most relevant. And we, as we all know, people tend to walk away from their TV when there are commercials. So there's a lot of limitations with linear TV that OTT has really been able to address. Yeah, and I think, you know, this isn't only unique to OTT, but, um, you know, it's kind of digital in general. Yeah. But with, you know, OTT and programmatic OTT especially, um, instead of buying spots in advance, you are, you know, in real time um, purchasing inventory through networks. Mm -hmm. So it allows you to be way more responsive. So rather than having to say, you know, for the next two weeks, we're going to show on, you know, the view uh, at these time slots, um, you're able to buy that programmatically in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think piggybacking on what both of them just talked about, I think with being able to target users at a more one-to-one level rather than just paying for to reach a vast number of users, mm-hmm. you are able to better optimize your budget and scale that budget um, and know that you're paying for that specific audience rather than just kind of mass marketing. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think it was the first episode where we talked about the differences and pros and cons to traditional and digital and you know one point that we made was that neither one is necessarily better or the other it's really about like what's your goal because linear tv still represents about 95 percent of ad spend on tv ott is about five percent still so it's very small you're gonna get a lot of eyeballs a lot of reach if you do a linear tv buy especially a prime time spot a high value real estate um, position so it's a matter of, you know, do you want to get in front of a very um, niche audience, a very targeted audience, or do you want to try and get the most bang for your buck in terms of impressions and reach? Yeah, I think that's a really good point because, I mean, I, I kind of look at it in two ways. So typically once you start getting into addressable TV and you start layering on a lot of targeting options, and, and data, then CPMs can go mm-hmm. up and you can be paying a lot. But at the same time, you're reaching a very specific audience and you don't have to, as Oliver mentioned, be locked in way ahead of time. You're kind of buying things in real time mm-hmm. and your budget, even though maybe a CPM might be a little bit higher, your budget can go a lot further because you can increase reach among a niche audience rather mm-hmm. than you know doing a big blanket mass market mm-hmm. approach by uh, with linear TV where a lot of your ad dollars might be um, wasted on people that you know don't fall into mm-hmm. your audience yeah I think you bring up a good point though a lot I feel like because OTT is digital um, versus you know a linear TV by a lot of marketers getting into OTT expect their return on ad spend to be in line with other digital sources like search, or even Google Display, programmatic display. Mm -hmm. Or even like a streaming video on a social channel. Exactly, exactly. YouTube even. But this truly is an upper funnel 
tactic. It's your CPIs, your return on ad spend is not going to be the same as something as direct as a search campaign. Um, and I do think that marketers need to keep that in mind as they're evaluating whether they should invest in OTT or do something a little bit lower funnel. It's just even though we do have more control, that doesn't mean that people are going to respond in a way that's similar to a search campaign. Yeah, 100%. And we have to remember when people are watching these devices, it's still not something that they're able to click on. You know, they're not watching these videos like they are maybe seeing something on Facebook and then they're able to click immediately to a brand's website. It's a true non-skippable commercial. But one of the things that Connected TV and programmatic video is allowing advertisers to do is have a little bit better measurement in terms of like cross-channel. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that and how brands and advertisers can measure their impact, even if it's not, you know, related directly to a conversion on the other end of it. But how are they measuring the impact of these campaigns? Yeah, so I think first the expectation with every digital channel is that it's fully measurable. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, especially with OTT, something you kind of need to get out of your head. Um, you know, mobile location data is allowing advertisers um, and third-party measurement companies to kind of tie cross-screen um, and cross-device data. Mm -hmm. So, you know, linking IP address uh, with multiple devices in the household. And so that allows some measurement and especially allows for, you know, more granular targeting based on behavior that's not just on that connected TV device. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the ability to get any sort of, you know, hard impression data um, and then the ability to, you know, eventually link that to CRM data using mobile location data, I think is, is really interesting and something that's a, you know, huge benefit for CTV. Yeah, I guess I was going to, I was kind of thinking of that as um, measurement being, a benefit, but also one of the biggest challenges, right. kind of what you said with the expectation that everything should be measurable. And while you have a lot more data and touch points than you do with linear TV, I still think there's a big question mark and kind of this blurred line between um, what exactly is significant in terms of measurement and how um, we kind of bring all that together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's similar to any new platform or technology where we kind of just dive in and then figure out the rest later. So OTT is definitely a little behind in terms of measurability. And will we get to perfect? Probably not. <laughs> but OTT publishers do understand that marketers want that. And in order to get past that 5% investment from brands and marketers, they're going to have to be able to show success. Roku and Innovid actually just started a partnership to enhance measurement capabilities of OTT and linear TV. Basically, it'll track both linear TV buys and OTT buys and measure the crossover as well as, you know, incremental reach impressions, um, which I think is really interesting. So if you're going about it in two different ways, if you're doing a comprehensive TV by, we're doing linear and OTT, um, that can at least show you the value in doing both. But I think they are making strides. Um, the challenge is that people don't view media in one specific way. Like I'm just thinking back to last night, I have Amazon Fire TV watch something there and then I'm on my phone doing something and then I'm on my laptop potentially watching a YouTube video so it's not like one specific platform or device has my complete attention I'm going from like one to the other and that's been hard for 
tracking and measurement purposes because you don't know where a person's attention is at all times. So one thing I will challenge, I guess, anyone who wants to answer on is um, one of the big things that I've been recently dealing with with measurement and OTT is um, a lot of partners talking a lot about video completion rate. So with these non-scalable ads, how relevant do you think that that is? Yeah, I think it's something that every vendor and publisher wants to give you as a yeah. sign of how great their platform is. But I mean, the you know, end of the day, it's people exiting the video. I mean, so that's yeah. it. And so we've seen you know a ninety-eight percent video completion rate that somehow is significantly better than the ninety-seven and a half percent benchmark. And for some reason, I'm mm-hmm. supposed to believe that my campaign is you know one and a half percent better than the typical campaign just because of that. Um, so I, I think that's one of those things that it's one of the metrics that we have because measurability is kind of limited. But at the end of the day, I don't think it matters all that much. You know, it, not with OTT. Um, with things like YouTube ads where people are, you know, have the ability to skip, it's a, it's a really important metric. But um, when you're looking at the, you know, programmatic OTT and, you know, just the streaming landscape, I don't think it's as important. Yeah, I think it's a measurement of validity. Like, if I invest here, are a majority of people not exiting out <laughs> of my ad immediately, you know? So it's like, hey, we're actually able to play your video and whether people aren't paying attention or not, you know, that's not necessarily trackable. But yeah, I think that's a really good point. That's kind of how I have um, seen it is it's almost a measure of validity in terms of the content that you're on rather than necessarily Mm -hmm. how many people are bouncing from your video. Right. Yeah, like are they going to stick through the ads regardless of what they are in order mm-hmm. to see the content on the other side of that? Um, I think if there was a really low video completion rate, that would be insightful and and helpful in um, giving you know a recommendation that the video content needs to be yeah switched up. But yeah, if if it's high, then that's great. You're yeah, I'd say, Casey, it's more of a qualifier, disqualifier for when we're trying to choose a yeah. partner. Exactly. Than, you know, success of an actual campaign. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. I think that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Oliver, you talked a little bit about using mobile data to, you know, uh, connect screens and, and measure across screen. But there's also ad tech providers that are uh, able to look at anonymized household IP addresses and then map that back to performance across screens as well. Um, And one thing that's really cool about that is being able to uh, target people sequentially across screens, knowing that they are in the same household, and then map that back. So when we've been uh, talking to some programmatic video platforms and they're trying to sell us on their connected TV capabilities, they're talking about the um, measurement in terms of uplift that you can see on other channels when you're also running a connected TV campaign. And I think that's one of the things that's going to be really important in proving to clients or for you know brands to justify spend on connected TV is if they have more of a holistic approach and they're running programmatic video and um, display and connected TV ads with the same DSP, you will get a little bit more information. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm really excited about. Yeah. I think from... A different perspective, too, that's exciting because I think it can improve the customer experience so much. Oh, yeah. As a marketer, my biggest pet peeve is when I see the same damn video over and over and over and over, especially within 
an hour period of watching something on Hulu or whatever, it's just, it makes me so angry because one, I'm like, okay, this is just lazy. And two, I know part of it is just the limitations of the publisher too. Um, so being able to track, you know, internally what ads people have already seen and be able to provide new ads, new content can vastly improve your user experience, recall, like fatigue. I mean, that's what I'm excited about too, is just like a consumer of ads is just the experience because I don't mind ads if they're done well, but if I keep seeing the same one over and over again, that's just frustrating and I end up with a negative view of, of the brand, which no one really wants. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, kind of the classic problem with traditional TV that, mm -hmm. you know, even when on linear TV, you see the same ads over and over again. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously carried over. I watch Hulu a lot and mm -hmm. see the same ads yeah. over and over and over again. Um, and I think one additional reason for that is just the expense of creating video content. Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of brands, it's yeah, difficult to create so many ads where you, you're targeting the same demographic, but you don't have the amount of content that you would mm -hmm. need to show them something, you know, uh, a little bit more different. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that I think is, you know, kind of improving on that front, and we're seeing it in social, is just the responsiveness of creating video. Mm -hmm. um, so with Facebook, you know, you have something like slideshow ads where you're creating a video with just image assets. So I think the expense of creating video is going to get less and, you know, we'll see brands just kind of switch their content up a little mm -hmm. bit more, hopefully. Mm -hmm. I would say too, Oliver, I agree with you in some respects, but also I think with OTT, especially the different ad formats that we have now, I mean, we have six second ads that have been proven to be effective on YouTube and, and other various sources or publishers. I think we as marketers need to change our mindset because it's not as important to create a 30 second, a 60 second ad that's perfect, polished to run in a linear TV buy that you can't change, which can be expensive. There's a lot of prep. You can't change things. To your point, it's almost impossible if you have a modest budget to really do some really interesting stuff test different commercials. But now we have the ability to roll out a story, a narrative over five, six second ads that could be less polished, not as high production, you know, intensity, but could still be powerful and arguably more effective because you're not showing, you know, the consumer like the same 30 second ad over and over and you're able to kind of capture them and keep their, their attention by showing very short kind of snippets um, that are sequential and, you know, more more engaging. Yeah, and to echo that, I mean, if you are an advertiser that's able to deal with the minimums of OTT advertising, you should probably be able to create enough content to, you know, satisfy the, the viewers for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, creative is so important. You know, we've said it before and it's going to keep coming back to that. If you have, you know all the money in the world to throw at your advertising budget and, you know, secure inventory across connected TV or linear TV or both. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If the creative is bad, mm -hmm. all those ad dollars are going to be wasted. Yeah. We tend to get so focused and, and like obsessed with the MarTech that a lot of times we forget the story aspect of it. Yeah, when you're digging into Excels, it's very easy to forget about the creative that's on the other end, and you're just looking at an ad ID. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really easy to kind of start with a campaign concept and then 
move into the creative, but I think that that's definitely not the right approach. You need to have the creative lead the um, strategy and the campaign. For sure. So talking about creative, how do you think that plays a role in terms of placement? So, you know, do we need to be thinking about creative differently if we're doing a linear buy versus connected TV versus a, a streaming video campaign on social or, or YouTube? Yeah, I think um, being that these OTT ads are non-skippable, I think that a longer placement doesn't do as well um, just because people have to sit through these ads. It may not resonate well with them. Um, they're frustrated. They want to get to their content. So um, for sure, OTT, you would want to do more of a six-second ad, a 15-second, I mean, potentially 30 seconds, but I would say no longer than that. Yeah, I think at the heart of any TV or even any marketing campaign is the story, right? So even with a linear TV buy, you have some sort of context into where an ad is going to be running, whether it's news, primetime, daytime, you know, you know where, hopefully you know where it's going to be placed. So you have a little bit of context there. I think to Oliver's point earlier with OTT, there's even more context and there's more opportunity to place in these niche, like fragmented channels. So Discovery Network, for example, has a lot of different channels and content that are very specific under its umbrella. So the creative matters a lot. Um, you don't have to have the same ad blanket creative for every single placement, right? Um, because something that may resonate with someone when they're watching a home renovation show might not resonate when they're watching a cooking show, for example. So we have the opportunity to tailor the creative and make sure that it's it makes sense for what someone's watching at that exact time. We have the ability to do that. Um, whether or not marketers take advantage of that is a different story. But we do have the opportunity to really tailor our creative. And if we can do it, we should, because it's going to give us a better return. Yeah, I think a lot of marketers think about the person and maybe what you know affinity group or you know lifestyle audience they fit into. Um, but I think that's a really good point that you know what you're doing at that moment is more important maybe than what you're interested in on the whole. Um, so somebody that might be a home improvement enthusiast, but watching Shark Week, you know, might not be as primed for you know a Lowe's or a Home Depot ad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think on top of that too, tailoring your creative for the different screens becomes even more important with OTT. So whether someone's watching on a smart TV or on a mobile device, desktop, tablet, accessing through an app, I think that all definitely plays a big role in how you tailor your creative. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's really interesting looking at the device usage um, on OTT, but only about 27% of viewership on OTT is on an actual TV, and the other majority is mobile and, and laptop. So that's a great point. When we're talking about OTT, it doesn't necessarily mean a TV screen and someone sitting on their couch and watching. It could be someone laying in bed on their laptop. Um, it could be someone working out on their mobile phone watching something. So there's a lot of different ways and devices that people view OTT. It's not just, you know, 100% on your couch, you get that full attention. Yeah, that's a good point, Jen. So 
We've talked about creative and the landscape as a whole, some of the challenges, some of the benefits and capabilities. So now I want to go into actual planning and execution. So if I am an advertiser, I want to run a campaign targeting advanced TV inventory. How do I go about that? You know, how do I start? Do I look at going platform direct, publisher direct, going through a programmatic partner? Do I need to determine one or the other? Do I look at all of them? You know, what do you guys do when you're planning a campaign? Yeah, so I think it starts with, you know, your resource availability and then your goals, right? So if you are kind of a smaller advertiser and you have more limited creative, uh, you might want to start with a DSP. Mm -hmm. So if you've got, you know, let's say only 15 and 30 second creative and you don't you know, have the 50 or 75K minimums that some publishers and platforms require. Mm-hmm. Um, a DSP is a really good way to access a very wide network of um, content mm-hmm. while kind of minimizing the amount of expense you have. So you can start with less creative um, and, you know, less investment and kind of test it from there. Another thing that's uh, cool about going programmatically through a DSP is the cross-screen capabilities that I was talking about before. Um, so especially if you're doing a, a programmatic display campaign already, maybe talk to the partner that you're working with and see what their connected TV targeting capabilities are and whether you know they can provide any brand uplift or display uplift study mm-hmm. um, to help justify that. Yeah. I would also say start with your audience. Just because OTT exists doesn't mean that you should place there. It's kind of like social. Just because there are so many social platforms doesn't mean you should be there. So start with the audience. What's your, you know, I hate starting with this, but what's your demographic? What do they care about? Because there is data around who's using OTT and who isn't. Um, The type of viewership you can get, indexing, all of those fun marketing terms. So start with your audience. And is your audience actually using OTT? Are they interacting with it? Um, I would say that's the first step is understanding what your audience is doing. Because if your audience isn't on OTT, then you're wasting your time. There are definitely, you know, adoption rates. Adoption rates are different across, you know, different geographies, different demographics. There are a lot of different reasons why people invest in things like a smart TV versus, you know, sticking with cable. Yeah, and that's a really good point because even within different ways to access OTT, there are different audience profiles as well. So somebody who accesses via a device like Amazon Fire or Roku might be different from the people that are accessing content through their own cable provider on demand. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, if if there is a specific platform um, or OTT app that you want to access, like if you only want to access Roku, then you would need to go platform direct and just discuss with them because one of the limitations of going through uh, a DSP and buying programmatically is you can't really say, I just want to show on Roku devices or um, YouTube TV, et cetera. Yeah, and Platform Direct has a lot of you know other benefits. So going Platform Direct allows you to open up more creative uh, possibilities. That's so um, you know going straight to a Roku or Amazon opens up different, especially if you're you know let's say an app. If you're an OTT streaming app, um, you know those are great places to start because they have different you know promotion uh, placements for mm-hmm. apps on those. Yep. Um, and then also you know uh, I think you know going and this is sort of more applies to like Hulu, but a lot of times you'll see things that aren't just fifteen and thirty second skippable things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's you know creative formats that do have a click-through capability. So yeah. sometimes they'll open into a specific landing page um, or they'll take you straight to the content if you're promoting content on that right. platform. 
That's a good point. You know, I think we think a lot about our clients and whether it's like a B2C or a B2B, but, you know, there are a lot of advertisers out there that are promoting their own digital content, whether that's an app or um, video content itself. So, yeah, definitely do the research and, and look into what's possible and what your goals are and what you want to achieve. One thing that I think is really fun that we've done here at Nebo, and um, Casey, you're planning this right now for one of our clients, is holding a, a road show where you'll RFP the partners that you know we're potentially interested in, and then based on responses, narrow it down, and then actually invite them into the office to pitch to the team and to the client. And that way, you know, you've got all of them kind of going up against each other and, and you can make a decision. So it makes it a little bit more interactive than just combing through a bunch of spreadsheets and presentations that they've sent over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be interested in hearing from others if you work at an agency or even on the brand side. Has it been difficult to get budget for something like this? We haven't really, with our clients who are interested, we haven't had a lot of pushback. Whereas, you know, you think about social, for years it was difficult to convince brands, our clients, the value in social, whether it be paid social or even just organic social. But here, it's so similar to linear TV and people are comfortable with that that I don't think we've had much pushback in terms of trying to persuade our brands and clients to to move into the space. So I'd be interested in hearing if other people are having challenges with with that or not. Yeah, feel free to email us and let us know if you are paidmediacoffee at neboagency.com. <laughs> yeah, so in talking about the roadshow, I think one of the biggest things that I'm excited to come from that is just being able to see all of these different capabilities of these vendors and use those capabilities to grow my knowledge and challenge these different partners on their capabilities based on what other partners are able to bring to the space. Yeah, and you can really look at it and start to you know, rank the priority and importance of some of those capabilities too. All right, so we're going to start wrapping up, but I would love to hear from you all any final thoughts or words of wisdom um, in terms of the video advertising landscape as it pertains to both digital and traditional linear? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I I think really the main thing is just to first consider the fragmentation of the market. Um, There are like 200 OTT providers. Um, So, you know, thinking that you're... Yeah, and more coming. I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, there's been, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple launched. Um, So we've got Disney Plus coming soon. Apple TV Plus is on the horizon. Mm -hmm. So I think looking at OTT as some catch-all solution where you're going to reach everybody um, is, you know, not the way you want to look at it. But I think once you consider that and then, you know, kind of apply that to your campaign strategy and then to your creative, you you can really create some cool stuff. And just having consumed way more OTT content than I probably should, you know, I've seen a lot of really cool concepts um, and a lot of products and brands that I, uh, you know, have engaged with after watching that. So one thing that someone told me a few months back that was really powerful to me, and I think a unique perspective, is to think about these partners as more of a tool to teach you media and to leverage them in a way um, that they have all these capabilities and their ability to to kind of show you and walk you through their capabilities um, is really powerful in your knowledge and growth as a marketer and the ability that they have to teach you and guide your 
strategies. Yeah, no, I agree with that. These vendors and tech partners, they're growing their capabilities all the time. And because the video advertising landscape is so complex, like I'm constantly having to go back and look at this one graphic that shows an outline of the entire landscape and all of the different players and stuff, just to remind myself, you know, as we're talking about it, because there's just so much involved and things are constantly changing too. So, you know, uh, reaching out and scheduling those demos and lunch and learns as as much as we love them all the time, you know, they are really helpful. Yeah, and I think, you know, challenging partners on their capabilities can kind of expose any lack of knowledge that they might have. So in addition to learning more about the platforms and about the landscape in general, it helps you kind of figure out who knows what they're talking about and who is just saying, you know, the classic industry jargon. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, and I'll end on the fact that I don't think that between linear and digital or online video, it needs to be either or. I think that online video campaigns can really help supplement an overarching media plan with linear TV as well. Linear TV is important for a branding play, especially for like product launches and um, big brand awareness campaigns. But online video can really help you reach that niche audience or reach a younger audience, reach specific people and increase the frequency of reaching those niche audiences without having to spend online. So um, use them to complement each other and, um, you know, maybe go online video where it's harder to reach a specific audience with linear TV. Um, And then, you know, work with the partners that you're leveraging to see if there are any audience activation capabilities where, you know, they can push people who have seen linear TV uh, ads into a DSP to target them digitally and vice versa. So... Yeah, just think about it holistically and go from there. (laughs) Awesome. So I want to thank my guests for joining me today in this conversation. Thanks for coming here. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, thanks for having me. And our next episode is going to be focused on out-of-home advertising and the evolution of that channel. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or recommendations on content you'd like us to talk about in future episodes, please email us at paidmediacoffee at neboagency.com. And if you enjoy listening to the podcast, please like it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it. And that's it. Thanks so much. See you next time.